0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we kick off this episode of Growing Greater, let's thank the team at the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. PHLCVB is the official tourism promotion agency for the city of Philadelphia globally. And it serves as the primary sales and marketing agency for the Pennsylvania Convention Center. PHL CVB is an economic engine for the city and all of Greater Philadelphia, helping to create jobs, fueling the economy by bringing meetings, conventions, and tourists to Philadelphia and across the region. The PHL CVB team advocates for Philadelphia's continuous transformation. Of our infrastructure, growth of human capital, and brand assets. And they serve as the city's connector for meeting planners, conference attendees, tour operators, and travelers alike. Learn more at discoverphl.com. That's discoverphl.com. And join me in thanking PHL CVB for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. No! Down the highway sun on your back wind in your hair there's nothing quite like riding a motorcycle for some motorcycles are more than a mode of transportation they are a passion a way of life and the freedom and exhilaration that accompanies the roar and the power of the engine is an experience like no other This week on Growing Greater, we're joined by Brian Dirt. He's the chief marketing officer of Komodo Holdings, a company that has truly capitalized on the enthusiast market of motorcycle riders. Here, Brian describes this multifaceted company.
1: Komodo is a holding company that was formed when a private equity firm, JW Childs, acquired a couple of assets in the motorsports industry. Cycle Gear, which it owned previously, and then it acquired Revzilla, a Philadelphia company, back mm-hmm. in 2016. Had now two brands and formed an entity called Komodo Holdings to basically hold the portfolios.
0: And the RevZilla brand, it's certainly a brand that a lot of people recognize, at least in the greater Philadelphia region. But I would suspect, you know, those enthusiasts in this space, I suspect they may even be, what's the right terminology for RevZilla and other kinds of spaces that, you know, people are so passionate about. You know, they attend the church of RevZilla every day, not just on Sundays.
1: There's an emotional connection to the brand for sure.
0: Yeah. And people
1: know it because of the uh, content that's been created in and around it. The company did a fabulous job of really producing product demonstration videos editorial content, some how-tos, and becoming a go-to place for motorcyclists to get educated, entertained about motorcycle parts, apparel, accessories, stuff like that.
0: So let's get into the nuance a little bit about what I call the trifecta under the Komodo umbrella. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because there are three distinct parts that really form the core of Komodo.
1: Yeah. So Cycle Gear started back in 1974. It's the brick and mortar. Piece of the pie, if you will. 144 stores opening a couple more. Great footprint, great selection of, again, helmets, jackets, gloves. Also, a lot of business in oils and stuff to keep your bike running. So, it really functions as that local market, kind of just around the corner kind of presence. Revzilla is what we like to say it's the juggernaut e commerce company. Mm -hmm. Again, really drove a truck through an opportunity of e commerce and motorcycle parts and apparel. A disruptor back in the day, very Tech-driven, great customer experience. Again, a brand that came about and grew an emotional connection with its members. Community-oriented. And then there's a distribution company called Upshift. That's a distributor of third-party parts, apparel, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's a smaller business, but nevertheless, the uh, you know an important
0: piece. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you describe if there is such a thing? Your average customer.
1: Don't know that there's an average customer, but yeah. you know, first and foremost, you have to own a motorcycle. Sure. <laughs> when you do own a motorcycle, the average customer, if you're new to riding, It's somebody that's looking just to get geared up and start. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for the basic safety stuff, the helmet, jacket, and gloves. If you've been riding, then you're looking at, you know, the whole gamut of things. It's it's what you need for your bike. It's what you need to keep your bike running. It's other things that you might need from, a, you know, an apparel point of view. It's funny because I ride, and one time uh, my wife asked me exactly how many jackets do you need. And it's like, right. oh, how many seasons are there? And, you know, that was my answer. There's no right or wrong answer. But, right. <laughs> but that was my answer. And, yeah, so our average customer is probably male, mid-40s, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Owns the motorcycle, right. does a lot of stuff, but it's the whole
0: spectrum of motorcycle owners and enthusiasts. Your wife didn't come back and say, "So you need four jackets because there's four seasons," and why do you have seven jackets?
1: Yeah, that would have been the, <laughs> that would have been the answer there. Yeah, it's like, why are you contemplating another one? Right, but there is actually a fashion element to it and a seasonality element to it. That's a big driver to some people.
0: Absolutely, you know? that doesn't shock me because every industry, every kind of uh, activity, whether it's classified as a hobby or as a, an event. There is a passion around it that sometimes is driven by fashion, sometimes it's driven by, you know, being the best or the fastest or having the latest toy or tool to advance you down this path, whether it's esports or in this case motorcycling. Yep. But where I want to go with this a little bit, Brian, is this blend that your team hasn't been able to shape under the Komodo umbrella which is the traditional bricks and mortar with the e-commerce. It's a really smart model, but it does kind of pull on two different sides of you know the brain, if you will, in terms of how people shop, how they experience online and e-retailing compared to how they're experiencing the bricks and mortar component of this and how they expect to receive their purchase, if you will, whether it's you know through the mail or do they walk out of the store with it. And I was hoping you can share with us a little bit about the blending of that because it is a little novel in this day and
1: yeah, you know, true omnichannel, it's one, it's a tough nut to crack. For most people, most businesses, it's tough to even define. But for us, we're just trying to meet the consumer wherever they are in their journey to acquire, you know, the parts, apparel, accessories, etc., so yeah, if you're browsing and researching, you know Revzilla has a tremendous amount of product detail, demonstrations, etc. Like I said before, if you want that high touch kind of get fitted, you know, like a helmet fitting, mm-hmm. which is a big part of a safety kit, with your helmet, jacket, gloves. Sure. You can go to a cycle gear store. It's something that they do a lot. It's a 25% of the business probably. Helmets, mm-hmm. and there are other things that, that happen in store. Mm-hmm. Obviously, tech is making its way into motorcycling, and the Bluetooth communication headsets that only recently we don't struggle with anymore but putting them in your helmet mm-hmm. so that you can you know sync your iphone or sync your gps or whatever That they're difficult to snap in i mean i had mine put in at a cycle gear store <laughs> yeah right so getting that synced up you know doing things like tire changing and that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. the idea with sort of the model is providing those value-added services that a brick and mortar retailer can provide like i just mentioned bluetooth in- installation tire installation if you need it this afternoon it's still very impossible for people to get something to you this afternoon and if you have to go on riding tomorrow and you need the new jacket yeah you know there's a cycle gear store hopefully near you great great opportunity to do that if you're shopping, browsing, looking at, you know, doing something different, if you want a larger assortment, you know, Cycle Gears are, they're roughly 3,000, 4,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not, some are large. I mean, like any retailer, some of the stores have a pretty large format. There's a 20,000 square foot superstore in Sacramento. Right. But most of them are in the 3,500, 4,000 square feet. So you can carry a limited amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at one RevZilla, you have over 300,000 SKUs. I mean, you have just, you know, you can call it endless aisle, but just about anything you can look for, search for. Is right there. So the the trick, if you will, for us is just trying to meet the consumer at the right time with the right message with what they're looking for. And right. even if it's local and the, the brick and mortar, the 144 stores, they're the neighborhood. Really, they're you know they're they're just around the corner. They're they're right there to be able to drive in and get something and go.
0: Right. So I want to dive in a little bit more to that example, Brian, because I love it and it, it's what I would call a blending. So if I'm not getting too in the weeds here. You know, there are warehouses that are part of the Komodo family Mm -hmm. through Revzilla in Philadelphia, in Arizona, and there's a third. Yeah, Louisville. Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. So I suspect that some of the cycle gear retail stores may be supplied by some of those mm-hmm. warehouses and conversely can you walk into a cycle gear store and log into revzilla if you are looking for something and you're not finding it on the, uh, you know the shelf has that blending happened
1: yes yeah, some of that has uh, i mean we have three warehouses we have the louisville warehouse it's about 130,000. Mm-hmm. philly's 65 and yeah. las vegas actually is the other one it's about 130 and yeah, we replenish out of those DCs. Mm-hmm. We get to our you know sort of our two day shipping out of those stores. We don't yep. two day ship everywhere, but yep. six states right now. I think we two day ship, mm-hmm. and then we also have the customer service pieces. So we have a little bit of a follow the sun kind of a, an idea with uh, customer service in each of those facilities. But if you're in a cycle gear store, you can go on to what's called the kiosk and, mm-hmm. and jump online. In that case, you go to Cycle Gear Direct, which is a smaller subset of RevZilla, not sort of the 300,000 SKUs, but a smaller subset, and certainly pick that up. So there's a a little bit of, again, trying to get the customer what they need
0: and where they need it in sort of the right channel and brand. And speaking of the customer, share with us a little bit, if you will, what I would call the facts and figures of Komodo. How many employees does your team have? And is there such a thing as defining your customer base by numbers? I mean, is it X number of customers? or Komodo has probably 1,200 people, mm-hmm. 1,300
1: people. Yep. On the RevZilla side, for example, we're about 425 with our Flex time there's a hundred people at the navy yard main office yeah cycle gear numbers around 1200 again you have the store employees you've got uh, the komodo fulfillment which mm-hmm. is our logistics and warehousing so those are actually komodo level people yeah and so yeah in total it's 1200 1300 something yeah. like that yeah and, and and you know over the past 24 months you know past two years the combined entities probably you know had two million customers mm-hmm. you know come yeah. to the door or do, make a transaction. Yeah, so, that's
0: pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's a big footprint. You know, it's a growing footprint. And for us, it's, again, a matter of figuring out, you know, when we get somebody, you know, into one of the brands, what's the best path for them mm-hmm. to, to continue to sort of nurture them and, and cultivate them.
0: Yeah, and have an experience with them that causes them to say, wow, this was really great. Mm-hmm. I want to come back. Exactly. Because there are, if I'm not getting into the competition too much, there are what I've seen other branded neighborhood bike shops and, you know, some are aligned with a specific brand of motorcycle and it sounds like your team you're brand agnostic I suspect or do you sell everything for every kind of bike
1: yeah so we don't sell motorcycles so that's very right. you know, different from others there are competitors in certain local markets there's not a national competitor to either one of the brands Revzilla sells aftermarket parts so stuff for your bike we also sell uh, original equipment manufacturer parts OEM parts Gotcha uh, and that's something relatively new for us that we're rolling out. So we have three brands right now and adding four or five and six of mm-hmm. the big seven. So we offer that. We're in a very collaborative space with the brands and, mm-hmm. and because we don't sell motorcycles again something we're, you know we, we don't do and that's not part of the business. once you own it then we're very
0: relevant. And I suspect the manufacturers probably like that you don't sell motorcycles. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, because then it, there's a kind of a defining line mm-hmm. within the market, if you well, will. Well, they
1: have their dealer networks, and mm-hmm. they, they've spent, uh, you know, a lot of time over the years cultivating the networks yeah, and, right. and figuring out the right model to get motorcycles to the people that want them. Yeah. Like anything today, that model's changing, obviously, yeah. and, and, you know, everybody's rethinking it. And there are companies now that buy used motorcycles, and they have a sort of an online secondary market online, and, you know, Lots of different things, even Craigslist. You know, you can go yeah. buy everything on Craigslist. Yeah. You can buy used motorcycles on Craigslist. So. Absolutely. Yeah, so the dealers, again, we were offering this OEM parts there, and that's a big deal for us because it opens up a, a big audience and lots of interesting uh, possibilities with you know people that are do-it-yourselfers. It's a, an interesting shopping experience, and that shopping experience is a tough one to figure out mm-hmm. because it's a very specific set of products for a specific bike. Yeah, so this is our Philadelphia headquarters. We moved in here about 2013. Very open
0: office, as you can see. Everything pretty much looks like this. A lot of glass. So, we sort of had a feeling that a motorcycle enthusiast company would not have a typical corporate office. And we were right. Pulling up to their facility, located in the Navy Yard down in South Philadelphia, on a bright summer day, we knew we had arrived, not by looking at the sign, but by seeing a group of big, shiny motorcycles parked out front. And these proud machines, they welcome the attention. This is actually
1: pretty cool right here. So this is what we call the closet, because we like to put ZLA in front of as many words as we can. So basically what this is, is anybody who works here, can check any piece of gear out of here for a weekend. And then when you come back, all you gotta do is write a review about it. So it like builds up customer service knowledge so that somebody's like, hey, you know, this Dionese jacket, like what's up with that? And they can access all those reviews that come from people inside of the company. So it's a good way for people that are getting into riding to try out new gear. Or if you're going to get your license, you don't
0: have to like buy jacket, helmet, gloves if you're not sure like if this is even for me. So this is kind of just a cool little like side thing that we have. That's John Kalnick, a member of the RevZilla team. He guided us around their fun industrial office warehouse space, which includes a skate ramp, arcade games, and of course, lots of motorcycles and the gear that we'd expect motorcycle enthusiasts to want. And the team at RevZilla, well, they definitely embody the phrase, work hard, play hard. Before we continue our conversation with Brian, let's thank the team at the Discovery Labs, who are helping us attract new companies and new jobs to greater Philadelphia. Located in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the Discovery Labs is the first fully integrated environment for big pharma, emerging biotech, and high-tech companies to cohabitate under one roof perfectly situated in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, the Discovery Labs is in close proximity to Philadelphia's world-class research institutions, healthcare systems, and educational leaders, as well as to the regulatory and legislative community in Washington, D.C., and the investment community in New York. The Discovery Labs offers the complete package access to wet labs, talent, research partners, leading biotech and pharmaceutical companies, venture capitalists, startups, and so much more. And it's all in an exceptionally affordable environment that provides an unmatched cost of living and quality of life. Learn more at thediscoverylabs.com. And join me in thanking the Discovery Labs for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. Now let's get back to our conversation with Brian. Brian. I wanna dive in, Brian, to the culture that your team is able to create with the coming together of these two organizations. And where I'm going with this is there's kind of a specialness to an organization like a Revzilla that was a startup for so many years. And you know, that classic story of working out of a garage or an apartment to kind of assemble this vision of the founders to take this passion to a more structured business level and grow it into something that, you know, is really dynamic and and really attractive, attractive enough to, Mm -hmm. you know, catch the attention of a Komodo to say, you know, we want to be part of you and we want you to be part of us. And we think there's some synergies here. But that coming together from a cultural standpoint has to be a little bit of a challenge. I mean one, you have a really cool job, and I would suspect that everybody who works at Revzilla has a really cool job. How do you maintain that kind of culture, that kind of commitment with the employee base, not just at Revzilla, but the folding in of the Cycle Gear team as well and creating this real camaraderie? Yeah,
1: in actuality, as much as any two businesses come together and their cultures are a little different, there's commonality too. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of commonality with Cycle Gear and Revzilla because when the day is done, a huge portion of the employee's ride. Right. And so at its core we have riders. And uh, when you start to talk about the brand or anything like that, all of a sudden you turn to well it's really it's about the ride because we all do it. Right. And that's the common link that we have whether or not you work in the marketing department, you work in merchandising, you work in customer service or you work, you know, as a store manager in a store. Right. Pretty sure all the store managers ride. And that's 144 of them. So there's a common bond there and a commonality and there's also a commonality in the way each brand was sort of addressing the idea of being knowledgeable about the motorcycle industry. Revzilla have our geeks, call sure. them the geeks at the customer service piece. And it's a pretty rigorous training to get to the level of service that we want to do. I mean, when the day is done, Revzilla is very much in the service business. Right. right. But so is cycle gear and, and they have their gear experts. Right. It's exactly the same model. It takes a lot to get to be a gear expert and kinda of have this special badge where you know a lot about a motorcycle and kind of you're that local expert. Right. And that's pretty important and special. And again, I've seen that in action, and that's pretty cool. You know, have a customer walk into a store and watch the dialogue happen, because mm-hmm. that's one of the things you miss in, in the e-com world. You never see the transaction happen, you never see right. the dialogue, You know it, it only sort of manifests itself when something happens, you know, yeah. either good or bad. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> At a cycle gear store, you can see the interaction and see the dialogue, and to watch one of the gear experts walk somebody through buying a helmet, and you're like, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember when I did that, and I can't be a gear expert. Right,
0: right, <laughs> right. But to your point, point, you're right, the expert kind of label, the badge is there, whether you're dealing with With an e-commerce audience, or whether you're dealing with a retail bricks and mortar type audience,
1: one hundred percent, and that's what makes us different Mm -hmm. from anybody else selling parts, apparel, accessories. Yeah, quite frankly, and a lot of people can do it, but sort of the us versus them is very much about the fact that we ride disproportionate amount of us are riders. The fact that you know there is a tremendous amount of passion about the brands. Yeah, you know, if you're a cycle gear employee, you know the customers that walk in. You have your kind of your regulars. It's you know you have people that come by to get the get the oil kit every year or, or what have you. And same thing happens in e-com. You know, you have a percentage of the customers that repeat and come back. And, yeah. you know, your core customers that just keep buying stuff and trading around bikes and doing different things. Yeah, But, yeah, the commonality for sure is the rider and understanding the ride and that's what it's really all about.
0: Yeah, no, totally. So I want to shift gears a little bit. And Brian, first I have to ask, what kind of bike do you ride? Or should I <laughs> say, what kind of bikes do you ride? Yeah.
1: One right now, it's a Yamaha XSR900. It's a street bike.
0: And is it a family affair? Do you have a uh, spouse, siblings, nope, uh, nobody others else rid- in a life who mm-hmm. ride? Nobody yeah. else rides, no. Right, yeah. And is that something that you've always been passionate about? You know, did you have a bike when you were 18 or did you start riding when you were 25?
1: Yeah, no. Grew up riding uh, mini bikes where I grew up uh, outside of Dayton, Ohio in a small town called Eaton. There were a handful of us, five, six. We had mini bikes. Mm-hmm. We used to ride, you know, back in the woods and things yep. like that. Later, graduated to dirt bikes. Used to ride little dirt bikes, and et cetera. And then when I was in college, a, a buddy of mine... Went into the military, and I uh, had access to a big Suzuki street bike, mm-hmm. and rode that for a couple summers, and that was uh, that was it. So, nice, yeah. So graduated that, and then uh, gave it up for a little while, and and you know recently started
0: riding again. Nice. So I want to pivot from that story as a five or six year old riding mini bikes and then dirt bikes in, uh, yeah. you know, the park and in the woods of Eaton, Ohio and ask, you know, what kind of dream job phone call did you get, you know, a year, 15, 18 months or so ago when you started talking with the folks at Komodo about becoming their chief marketing officer? And I want to preface this by saying you have a really interesting background, always in that marketing space. Yeah. But, you know, did you ever think when you were assembling that mini bike as a six or seven year old, probably with, you know, a couple of buddies that you were going to be working for a motorcycle yeah, company?
1: No, never. I think I got an email about some position that was coming available from a recruiter and i'd known the firm for a while and they placed me once before yeah and we started talking and we decided to meet for coffee we met for coffee and it was in new york and manhattan mm-hmm. He asked me, at the time I was working for a digital transformation agency, I'd been there for about six years and had helped uh, scale it and build a consulting practice there and really had a great time in, in that sector in digital transformation. We started talking about companies that are doing it well. And he said, you know, so who's doing it well? Who's made the leap and is really doing a great job of things like personalization, et cetera? Mm-hmm. And again, we're just having coffee. And I said, well, you know, we always use Sephora as a good example, sort of in that space. They're a leader in this. And and I rattled off a couple of others, I thought. And I said, you know, there's this company called RevZilla that I think just did some interesting things. And at the time, they had just pushed the latest version of the site live. Mm -hmm. And it was a reconfiguration, reorientation of the old site. And they had really beefed up the rider segments, the the type of style that you ride. So, you know, street or dirt or adventure. And... And I said, I, I thought that was pretty interesting because that does tend to define kind of who you are in the motorcycle space. Right. And I said, I thought that was a decent kind of push just mm-hmm. because I'm an enthusiast. And the guy started laughing. He's like, you know, we have the search for the CMO for Komodo, which is the holding company. And right. I have no idea. We weren't talking about that at all. Yeah, we that's were just, not
0: why you were gathered.
1: No, we were talking about who was doing well in digital and, and a whole bunch of other things from healthcare to retail to, you know, yeah. all of it.
0: Well, that's funny. And, uh, yeah,
1: and so that led to conversations and then later on, uh, yeah, you know, the, the opportunity to come and join this team. So, yeah, serendipity and could not have designed a better position that combines, you know, a hobby with avocation and vocation. I guess so. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And I love the serendipity component of this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Sometimes that's the best way. You know, it is. You're not the best really way. looking for anything, and just happens. Yep, yeah. just happens. That's great. So where do you think and this is a multifaceted I guess question because there's so many different parts to the Komodo family where's Revzilla going to be in the next 3 5 10 years and I guess you can extend that to Komodo overall or if you want to just take it in parts with Cycle Gear and Revzilla or if you just want to focus on Revzilla where where's the company going to be in the next 3 5 10 years from now For
1: us it's still realizing the omnichannel idea because mm-hmm. there's I think there are very few retailers in any industry that get it Right The stitching together of all those interactions and touch points, and not from the company point of view but from the consumer point of view that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's always it's kind of missing when when there's a break in that kind of consumer journey but for us it's really trying to execute on an omni channel strategy like I said before, meet the customers where they are and give them a great experience if it's at the Cycle Gear stores, making sure that those stores and that experience does things and fulfills expectations that a RevZilla can't, mm-hmm. right? eCom can only do so much, right. right? And making them this really hyper-local, you know, wonderful place that knows everything about the local market, the local ride, you know, mm-hmm. what's happening there. Things change on a weekly, monthly basis, you know, new stuff comes in, you know, there's there are great promotions and, and things that happen, the cycle gear stores have bike nights on the first tuesday of every month so Mm -hmm. stuff like that that again can't happen on e-com right and then on the e-com side just continuing to look at the expansion of what we would call the catalog the things that we can offer people and really wrapping that with an experience of our content one of the things that revzilla was known for is the creation of the content like Mm -hmm. i said product demonstration videos yeah just a wonderfully executed strategy on product demonstration videos we still do a ton of product demonstration videos and we're always experimenting with format Mm -hmm. just, you know, the the best way to possibly do it. Yeah. And then other content, original content, Mm we started these podcast series called high side, low side that, Mm -hmm. that, you know, some of our hosts take a a topic and, and just kind of sit around a couch and kick around a topic. And and it's, it's funny because it, in my role, you cue these things up and you let the teams go execute on them, and then I'm, I find myself listening to them, going, "Well, I didn't know that." Yeah, right, <laughs> you know? right. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I shouldn't be surprised, and I'm not really, but I, I, you know, again, I, I find myself actually educated and entertained, and that's yeah. the idea behind that media and content play. And so on the Revzilla side, it's, it's pushing that, it's continuing to use the content mm-hmm. as a, a builder of community and, and a builder of brand, and getting away from just this idea that we're just a retailer, and if we can do that, if we can make Cycle Gear that destination where you know it's. I keep using that just around the corner. It's actually one of the campaigns that was run recently. I think it's a really good campaign. It totally. certainly is. It anchors the brand to what it is. It's that right. local presence. That no one else has. There's not a national retailer of motorcycle parts and apparel. Yeah. And Revzilla is that massive, you know, play online with, again, over 300,000 SKUs, all sorts of stuff and great content that Mm -hmm. sort of anchors you, whether you're searching for something and reviewing something or whether you want to be entertained whether you want to learn a how to mm-hmm. that's all there. And I think you know for us, it's the balance of those things, like yeah, I said, and, right. and just making sure we're meeting the customer, you know where they want to be met and making sure we have the right kind of handoff.
0: RevZilla is revving up for an exhilarating future, and theirs is just one of the amazing stories highlighting transformational businesses in our region. Be sure to check out other episodes at radio.com or wherever you get your podcasts and at selectgreaterphl.com slash podcast. As we close out our program, let's thank the team at Coral Homes. They are a boutique hotel experience like none other providing customized services and thoughtfully designed travel accommodations. At Coral Homes, guests experience designer living, high-quality comfort, state-of-the-art technology, and 24-7 top-shelf amenities. For authentic and extra-special accommodations, make your next day in Philadelphia at Coral Homes. For a night, a week, a month, or longer, it's Coral Homes. Learn more at MyCoralHome.com. That's MyCoralHome.com growing greater is presented by select greater philadelphia a council of our chamber of commerce for greater philadelphia select is the business attraction organization for northern delaware southern new jersey and southeastern pennsylvania and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Karmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreaterphl.com podcast.